the Marathon Medic podcast. My name's Amy and I'm a junior doctor and running coach with an interest in sports medicine. On the last episode of this series, I'm joined by Professor Letty Bishop. Letty is a professor of exercise immunology and we're discussing the relationship between exercise, immune function and infection risk. So hi Letty, thank you for joining me this morning um, and, and welcome to the podcast. Would you mind just by starting us off uh, by sharing a little bit about yourself and also a little bit about your research background as well? Okay, so um, I'm a professor of exercise immunology at Loughborough University. Um, I've worked at Loughborough now 20 years, which is quite scary to think about. I did my PhD at Birmingham, um, looking at how carbohydrate drinks might minimise immune responses to exercise, um, and then started at Loughborough straight after that. So my research was originally looking very much in the performance side, and I still keep my hand into the performance area. I still do some work with the English Institute of Sport, but most of my research now is looking at um, infection, immune function, inflammation in particular in people with long-term conditions as well. So we look at how much exercise you do and what effect that has on your immune system and how that might affect the development or the symptoms of various conditions and see if we can use exercise as a way of managing um, some of those symptoms or at least kind of helping the management of some of those, those conditions. So that's kind of the research that I'm doing at the moment. I, I want to remember to ask you later on about um, your PhD findings about the carbohydrate drinks, because that sounds quite uh, quite interesting. <laughs> so oh, yes. You must remind me to ask you that at some point. It's obviously a, a very big topic um, and probably quite difficult to, to summarise. But what is the relationship between exercise, immunity and then athletes' risk of illness? So if we're talking about risk of illness, we're talking really in this sense, infectious illness. Um there's always been this purported J-shaped curve, um, and there are various problems with it. But essentially, what what it suggests is that if you are not very active, you sedentary, you have like an average risk of illness. If you do start doing a little bit more um, moderate levels, moderate vigorous levels of activity, you can reduce your risk of respiratory illnesses in particular. But those who are doing a lot of activity may be at an increased risk of infection. Um, and so that's where a lot of the research has come in. But it is multifaceted. That's that's something else to remember. And it's not all athletes that get this. It seems to be particularly illness prone. There is an argument that the medal winners, the elites, are the ones that are illness resistant for whatever reason, because there's an argument that if you were to be at that level, you've got to be able to attend your training sessions. You have to be able to attend around 80% of your planned training to be and and it's been related to a seven times increased likelihood of reaching your performance goals so if you're ill all the time you're not going to be able to do that so there is an argument that medal winners are the people who aren't actually getting as many infections so maybe it's not j-shaped maybe it's more of an s-shape with a dip at the end so if you're elite maybe you don't get as many infections simply because you couldn't be elite performing at that level if you're always ill nevertheless there is a substantial group who do seem to experience more of these respiratory infections and once they get them they can't get rid of them so that that's a kind of relationship in terms of immune function the whole thing with this increase in numbers of infections or incidence of infections is not just the incidence of infection but it's also how long they last for and how ill you feel so that's something that's particularly um, come to the fore more recently with some of the nutritional supplements. The other thing to remember is that the reason why you get an infection is either because you've got an increased exposure or because you've got a reduced defense. So there are various things in the lifestyle of somebody that 
will increase their exposure. And that's really come into the public consciousness over the last year with the pandemic, with the hands, face and space, which are like you know the three main things. And they were the things that we always recommended high performing athletes, sportsmen and women to do anyway, um, because that will increase your risk of being exposed to an infectious um, pathogen. So those sorts of things you can still look to do, you know, those sorts of behaviours, you can still help yourself or modify. Um, there's also other factors such as you know, sleep um, and diet. All of those will also um, affect things, will also affect your immune function as well as psychological stress and physical stress. So it's not just the effect of the exercise that you're doing on immune function. Having said that, if you do too much, too soon and too hard, you will have a temporary suppression of how well your immune cells can work. And if you don't allow them to recover, every time you exercise, you're going to start at a slightly lower level. And this can lead to a longer term suppression of different aspects of the immune function. And that's tied with maybe dietary factors, lack of sleep, but also the increased exposure due to just general behaviours could leave you predisposed to infections. And when we talk about the, the level of exercise and then that, that kind of J-shaped curve, is that standardised so that we know that, you know, people exercising a certain amount of hours a week or is it more very individual, someone's just pushing themselves above their limit and then that impacts their immune function? The latter, absolutely individual because you'll get some people who are able to train high levels without as much recovery and they just don't seem to get ill but it really is knowing yourself and recovery really is the key point um listening to yourself listening to how or feeling how fatigued you are is in particular is a really good way of knowing uh, if you feel impacting on your immune system because we know that high levels of fatigue are associated with lower levels of certain aspects of immunity so instead of you know paying for expensive monitoring just feeling how tired you are is probably a really good guide and yeah absolutely individual and um again is it related to the individual sports is this a relationship that we see across all activity or are there certain sports which are much higher risk and engaging in just a small amount of that sport actually has a bigger impact on immune health it's not sport specific as such traditionally the early information all came out from like almost ultra endurance sports like really really extreme things there's lots of ultra marathon type events um, and then there was lots of information then started to come out of swimming um, it, then it's more of the endurance just normal endurance type events um however apart from the power sports so apart from like power events sprint events it's pretty well been reported in every sport that is professional that have had that sort of data take collected you can get um, a whole wide range now of data from various different sports and just to give you an example um, there was um a paper that looked at the incidence of illness at the 2012 olympics and the illness or rates were highest in athletics, swimming, water polo, football, and beach volleyball. So there's no clear, distinct link between any of those. The key point is, is about the level of stress that the body's under and the duration for which you're exposing your body to that level of stress. But in all of those different sports, it was the respiratory system that was most affected. Um, what is the reason that it is the respiratory system? Is that just because it goes back to that exposure and maybe athletes being in close proximity, especially in something like the Olympic Games, you've got all these people traveling from different areas. Is that why it's always respiratory infections that tend to? I, I think that's probably a major, major key. There used to be some, oh, there has been some suggestion that higher levels of ventilation 
um, may increase your risk of exposure when you're training. To be fair, there's also high levels of skin infections in the contact sports. So I think it's just the situation that, that you're in. And you do get high levels of GI infections as well. And they tend to often cluster around competitions if people are going to places they've not been before or have poor hygiene practices. So again, you're increasing your exposure when you may already be vulnerable. And that's probably one of the, the key things. So yeah, I think it's the, mainly is the respiratory system because it's one that's easily exposed to these infections and athletes may be vulnerable simply because of the amount of training they're doing and the lifestyles that they are, the behaviors that they have to be um, training at those levels. And how much does this, does this affect the everyday athlete? So say somebody that's, you know, either maybe training for their first marathon or is just a, a runner that runs a few times a week. Do, are we seeing this kind of relationship in, in that group of people as well? Yeah, absolutely. Anecdotally, we do see that. Um, there's not so much scientific evidence just simply because they're not the groups that tend to have the research focused on them. But yeah, absolutely. And if you look on various, uh, you know, athlete blog, someone that you know, runs half marathons or marathons, so doing recreational running, but to a good level, good standard, you will, yeah, you do see these sorts of reports. And again, it's again down to the level of stress that you're putting your body under and the duration that you're doing that. And obviously in your everyday world, you've also got other stresses and strains that are on you which will increase your level of tiredness your psychological stress remember psychological stress also has a negative influence on on the immune system so you know physical men and mental well-being all of these things will impact on um the immune function so yep so your everyday runner absolutely this this can happen there's lots of reports of that and we've touched on some of it already um in terms of the other factors that are playing a role so if we could just dive into a couple of mm. those in a bit more detail mm. you mentioned recovery which i think is so important in all all types of, of health when we're, when we're talking about athletes at any level um how important is recovery and what kind of role is that playing in terms of protecting our immune system i would say recovery is the single most important thing to help manage this the effect of exercise on immune function is temporary it depends on the exercise intensity the exercise duration but it does recover so it's always will recover but if you start your next session before you've allowed full recovery then you're like we said earlier on you're going to start with an already um, lower than optimum level so recovery is absolutely key obviously long training sessions are needed to get some of the training adaptations you you know, you're not going to say you can only do shorter sessions that last less than an hour or only do intervals. Training mixes it up. There will always be these long sessions. But we would say if you do have to do long sessions, make sure you have a long you have recovery days afterwards. It's all about managing that that volume. And the other thing with if you are um coming back from illness or injury or some time away, control that progression. Don't suddenly go back in thinking, gosh, it's been ages since I've been able to run. I want want to go in quite hard. Don't do that got to go in um, and don't increase more than 10% or even maybe 20% of your training load each week. So increase the the training load gradually because that recovery is absolutely key. But listen again to your body. Listen to if you're feeling fatigued, it's likely that that will be also having an impact on your immune function. And um, just then touching on the nutrition. So Mm. I, I guess there's two aspects of nutrition, the energy intake overall and maybe not having enough energy for the for the training that you're doing. And then also the particular types of nutrition you're getting in terms of macro and micronutrients. I guess if we go for the energy first, how important is that? Now, this is a really important one because and you would probably think knowing that 
severe um, energy deficit is associated with lots uh, high incidence of infection, very poor immune function, that you would think, okay, if athletes aren't getting enough energy intake for what they're doing, then this might contribute. But there's lots of studies now that suggest that unless you have a severe eating disorder, which has put you under the situation where you are protein energy malnourished, there's very little effect on immune function. So athletes can have um, be in energy deficit and that itself is not necessarily going to affect their immunological defenses. Having said that, it's going to be a deficit of particular nutrients, not the energy that could then impact. So if we talk about the nutrients, there's two ways of looking at this as well. Traditionally, people were looking at um, nutrients supplements to help protect you. They still do this now. Like, this is going to boost your immune system. You hear that word all the time, boost your immune system, which is always a bit odd because I don't know if you really want your immune system boosting because then you're getting in the realms of autoimmunity, which is just as dangerous to your health as having underimmunity, I suppose. But there's a new way of looking at it, which is, okay, kind of accepting that infections are everywhere. These coughs and colds will happen. But if you can make them not make you feel so poorly and not last so long, then they reduce the burden. And that means you're able to get back to training more quickly. And as I've said before, the amount of training you do and being able to maintain your training is key to your success. Traditionally, um, things like vitamin C have been always something that's always mentioned. And actually, is a, a meta-analysis suggests that vitamin C can reduce the duration of a cold in the general public. Whether or not it has additional benefits in athletes, this is the one which may well have additional benefits to people who are under high physical stress. There's a meta-analysis, only five papers, so it's very low-strength evidence, but, and then we need bigger studies, might be that in athletes in particular, they might benefit from um, taking vitamin C to help reduce coughs and colds. Um, certainly, the general public, once you start getting a cold, we, you know, take, starting to take vitamin C, can help reduce the um, duration of it. So this is this this trade-off between the incidence and how bad you feel when you've got cold. But then there's lots of other ones. Are you happy for me just to talk about all the different ones? So yeah, go for it. <laughs> all right then. So um, carbohydrates, something I did my PhD on, and carbohydrate drinks are something which are central for a lot of people's um, endurance type events. Not for everyone, but a lot of people's events. It's been shown now in lots of things that the carbohydrate taking carbohydrate drinks during your exercise, keeping your glucose levels high is associated with smaller effects on immune function. So the reductions in immune function that you see post-exercise aren't as great at all if you've got carbohydrate drinks. And we even did a study where we showed that taking on carbohydrate drinks during exercise um, maintains the ability of immune cells to find infections. Now, this has all been done in labs. There isn't a big study looking at whether or not taking sports drinks stops you getting more infections. So we've got a lot of lab-based work saying, yeah, it might affect the immune response to the exercise, but there isn't any evidence just actually stops getting infections uh, in response to an event or post an event. Because the studies aren't there, because it'd be very hard to get a study with, say, 2,000 people and ask half of them not to take carbohydrate during a marathon, people aren't going to want to do that. Carbohydrate is a good one in the sense that most people are going to be taking it anyway for its ergogenic benefits and certainly does seem to um, maintain immune function. Whether or not that then translates into infection, I don't know. But that's probably the main one from from the macronutrients, other than obviously keeping up protein levels as you should do anyway. So the other ones then, I've said talk about vitamin C, zinc. Zinc is really, really good. Zinc ions inhibit viral replication. And you can buy these zinc lozenges that taste a bit odd, but you can buy these zinc lozenges. <laughs> 
Um, and there is a meta-analysis again, which shows that taking zinc lozenges can reduce common cold duration by around a third, again, in the general population. There's nothing to suggest that athletes get even more benefit because they're under greater physical stress. This is just, it, it, does, it just seems to be the same anyway. But as a general thing, zinc lozenges taken at the start of um, when you first get symptoms might reduce how ill you feel, like the duration of how ill you feel, and you might be able to get back to your training more quickly. So zinc is a good one. There are so many on the market, and most of them are rubbish. So I'm only going to talk about the ones which have got the better evidence for. Um, I think the other ones at the moment, probably vitamin D and probiotics. It's a lot of work on probiotics. It's still quite early um, infancy, I think, really for probiotics. Certainly probiotics um, might reduce the incidence of infections. There's quite, quite strong effects actually on the duration and the severity of your symptoms. So that's also a good one. It needs to be taken for at least a month. It seems to be you can't just suddenly start taking it and see effects. So, I mean, certainly we know that sports, um, professional sports often will start taking it over the winter period. Vitamin D would be another one which um, receives a lot of attention simply because it is so related to respiratory illness incidents. Um, same with, with vitamin D. We know it's got roles in muscle and bone health, but also has a key role in immune function as well. So there's a lot of work currently going on looking to see if vitamin D supplementation can help reduce infections in athletes. And the evidence to date suggests that it might be able to, in those athletes who are already deficient, so this is very similar to the general population. It doesn't seem to have any additional effect if you've already got enough. Again, this is this, you know, your body's avoiding the boosting effect. Essentially, if you've got enough, you're not going to get any additional benefit. But if you haven't got enough, taking a supplement around 1,000 international units a day seems to be beneficial, particularly in the winter when we don't get enough UV light to make vitamin D ourselves. And you won't be able to get enough vitamin D usually in the diet. They're the ones that they probably have the most, most evidence for. Having said that, there are so many others that you will see advertised. I mean, there's there's all different herbals, for most of which there's n there's not enough strong um, scientific evidence at the moment. However, if they work for you, then hey, who am I to argue? That's very true. And I guess it's always weighing up the the negative effects of this. And if they're all relatively low risk, they're worth exactly and seeing. Exactly. So I'm just basically saying the ones that have got strong evidence for working. But as long as the you know there's no side effects from taking and you feel a benefit, then that's that's fine. So I guess just in summary, in terms of the energy, it's it's a case mm. of obviously it's important to fuel for many reasons, but immune function specifically, you have to be really quite energy deficient for that to start having an impact on your immune function. And then nutrition in general, it's about getting a balanced diet and then supplementing as needed to try and boost certain elements. And there's more evidence for vitamin D and, and zinc and those kind of uh, micronutrients which may just increase um your your recovery from from illness when you do get an infection absolutely that's exactly right the thing with the um, protein energy malnutrition it's very 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 extreme and yes it can happen to people who've got disordered eating but in the main if that isn't the case then energy availability isn't actually a problem and there's been studies that have shown that when you compare people who have got adequate energy availability and those who are deficient over a long term it doesn't seem to affect immunological outcomes it'll affect a lot of other outcomes but not necessarily immunological because they seem to be conserved and i guess that makes sense that you know your body wants to make sure you that aspect of defense is there as long as possible and so that seems to be maintained but 
if you are following a fatty diet where you're removing a food group, for example, you do leave yourself open for deficiencies within that particular food group. And like you say, in those situations, you could impact immune function. And that's where supplements may well be um, needed. And I guess it's it's less relevant for elite athletes who obviously have to train at high levels in order to to get where they want to. But just for the the general public, is there then an optimum level of activity that we should be encouraging when we kind of go back to that J shape curve, which I appreciate is flawed? Is there kind of a level of activity that we would recommend as improving immune function, but not being too much that it would then start having negative implications for immune function? I guess where you want to be is somewhere on the stick going up from the J. <laughs> you want to be somewhere where you can um, get those benefits of, from your training without suppressing your immune function. The main way to make sure you do that is you don't go too hard or too soon and too often. And you make sure there is enough recovery. It's very individualized. It'd be lovely to say that if you train at this intensity for this hours or you do this many miles a week, you will get, because it doesn't work like that, because everyone's different. There's genetic predispositions to um, immune function anyway, and your resistance to illness, your exposure, your family situations, who you're in contact with, all of those will all contribute so there, there's nothing, there's no um, threshold of activity that I can say, but I would say, listen to your body, make sure there's enough recovery, be careful of that fatigue. And that's the best way of finding your optimum level. And for someone that is, um, let's, let's just say, starting to train for a marathon, maybe new to exercise, I guess you've touched on some of it already. Um, but what would your general advice be for both maintaining good immune function and avoiding the exposure and risk factors in someone that's that's engaging with lots of physical activity. And is that different now that we're in a pandemic situation compared to what you would have said maybe uh, 18 months ago? I think if you take that, the first part of that, I think if you're coming into it new, then intervals are one of the best ways in which you can improve your fitness without having any negative effect on immune function. Obviously, keep making sure recovery is clear. I think a lot of people who are coming into it new would probably do some sort of interval types um, to start off with anyway, um, like the run and walk kind of scenarios. Different this time, this right now than it perhaps would have been 18 months ago. I think for most people, it might be in a better place than we would have been 18 months ago because you're more aware certainly more aware of how viruses are transmitted or it's more maybe already new but it's really in your consciousness now um, because of social distancing because of the stay at home you are probably in a better place than you have been in terms of your risk of exposure anyway you might be more likely to take it more easily because of the restrictions on how many times you're supposed to go out and exercise anyway so perhaps you're less likely to be caning it and therefore go oh, okay wonder that felt good I'm going to really go for it the next day you're, maybe you're less likely to do that because of the restrictions that we're under but on the flip side of that it means that when things reopen People need to be mindful of not just going for it because it's been so long since they've been able to go to a gym, for example, because that's the point where you go too hard and too fast. And that's the point at which you're more likely to suppress your immune system, especially if you don't allow enough recovery. So it's those long duration sessions. Avoid sessions lasting that longer than an hour unless you're doing interval sort of work. So those sorts of things, I would definitely, that, I mean, that would always be my advice, but I think maybe there's a, 
a risk that people might want to do that more if they feel like they've been cooped up. And when the gyms hopefully reopen, I think it might be April time, there is always that risk that suddenly, right, I'm allowed to go out and I'm allowed to get into the gym and just go for it. That's when there might be problems. But that's also when you're more likely to injure yourself as well. So those two go hand in hand. Yeah, very true. I guess it's just kind of having that sensible voice in the back of our mind that yeah. just because we can suddenly go out running with our friends and, and go on long Sunday runs, maybe we shouldn't ramp it up too quickly. Don't, don't ramp it up too quickly. Absolutely. However tempting it might be. And um, you mentioned that one hour mark, and I've heard that quite a few times that, you know, I, ideally a lot of our sessions would be less than one hour just to try and avoid the stress on our body. For people that are into endurance events, so I know my first event coming up is in May and that's 50k so obviously that's mm. going to be many hours on my feet um do you get like a sudden dip in your immune function afterwards do people experience that when they, do they have a window of risk where actually they do then really need to prioritize you know maybe not being in contact with people that that might be unwell um eating well sleeping well or is it not kind of so easy and clear cut? No, I think that's absolutely true. There's definitely a period of vulnerability when your immune system is recovering from the physical and, and the mental exertion that's been placed on it. And certainly a lot of the early marathon studies were, were monitoring people a week, two weeks afterwards. And they did find that those who actually completed the marathon versus various controls were the ones that tended to report more of these symptoms of infection. So it does seem to be this period of vulnerability. And I think being aware of that and then being aware of the reasons why people get ill, so it's the exposure as well as the effect on the immune function, you can maybe make changes to your behavior to take that into account. So just making sure that you're not being exposed to other people who might have coughs and colds to make sure that you're looking after yourself, you're making sure you get enough sleep, all of those sorts of things. If if you've got an awareness of that vulnerability, then you can help to minimize your risk post-event. Um, I'll make sure I have my carbohydrate drinks along the way and <laughs> take a yes. few days off work afterwards. Make sure you do that. <laughs> Definitely make sure that, that you do that. Yeah. Just in terms of um, more more elite athletes, I know um, the thing that's been the common the common theme has been listen to your body. In elite athletes, is there any way to test their immune function and how how well they're they're doing? I guess before they start actually succumbing to an illness. There's often um, a package that they put together. There's actually South African rugby did that, uh, like a seven part package, where they um, w- were monitoring and then they had various ways of making sure. If they highlighted somebody was um, likely to get an infection, they then put various things in place to help try and reduce that. So they would monitor symptoms in particular. The problem with monitoring aspects of immune function is that often you're taking one particular aspect of your immune system and your immune system is highly complex and has lots of uh, overlapping pathways because we wouldn't have survived as long as we have if we only had one way of doing things. So often if something doesn't work so well, another aspect might pick it up and try and cover it a bit more. So sometimes it's, you know, you can monitor various aspects of immune function, but on their own, they might not tell you everything that you need to know. And they're also highly varied between people. So one of the best ways of of monitoring is to look at people over a period of time when they're healthy and then look at them in their period of time when they're doing more training. So you know what's normal for them. So there are a lot of um, measurements that we can take. One of the Probably the ones that's probably used more often in the field is salivary levels of an antibody um, called IgA, which has been related to risk of infection in athletes. Um, And there was a study done on the America's Cup athletes over a whole year, and they found that if your IgA decreased by 30% from what's normal for you, you had a one in two chance of getting an infection within three weeks. 
Oh wow, that's quite significant. Mm, yeah. Yeah, and these were all people working on the boat, and it didn't really, it didn't matter what your role was. But the interesting thing was that the IGA levels correlated with fatigue, which is why fatigue is such a nice way without having to spend lots of money on monitoring um, the impact on your immune system. I guess that's quite a specific um, question, but a lot of people are investing in in, app, um, in apps and wearable technologies like Whoop, for example, which mm-hmm. is kind of advertised as this thing that can help you monitor your fatigue so that you train with a a better awareness of your recovery. Have you seen much research about whether that is actually helping people? Or do you think you heard anything anecdotal about whether using those kind of devices are are helpful? Not at the moment, no. But I know that those sorts of technologies are certainly being talked about as as potentially being useful. And certainly when the wearable technologies and measuring other assets have been looked at, those sorts of measurements and monitoring in terms of recovery for immune function was certainly suggested that it could be of benefits if they're now starting to come out I suspect we'll probably start to see data on that I think it'd be interesting because it can be quite difficult sometimes to know how tired you really yeah. are and, and whether it's related to your exercise or other things or having something that's maybe a bit more strict and tells you if you've been sleeping properly could be quite useful for some people absolutely and there's a big thing about sleep hygiene at the moment and the relationship sleep hygiene and exercise and, and infection is really, really big area. And so there's lots of guidance on on getting enough sleep. I mean, I know sometimes athletes are, um, when they're traveling, told to take their own pillows, so they're more likely to sleep better. Um, and that's a really big area that is getting so much more focus. Again, again, it's something that you can help yourself with. So obviously you need to train, you want to train, but these are like the the lifestyle factors that you can help to try try and maintain or prevent falls in your immune system and increase your likelihood of infections. Yeah, it's an interesting area. So I have to have to keep our eye. I'm quite tempted by one myself. So yeah. I'll, I'll figure it out. Yeah, no, you should do. You should do. Because honestly, I think that sort of thing, you know, it doesn't mean flagging you up. I mean, I know that some of the Garmin's have the um, the stress levels to say, you know, you, your, your stress drain, I think it's or something. I've got one on right now. And <laughs> just, it says, just on a peak all the time. Oh, my God. And it just says how much you've, your, your levels of um, how much you've put in and how much you've taken out and whether you're negative by the end of the day. And then that means you need more time to recover. But I don't think it's particularly scientific. <laughs> No, probably not. But there's always room for improvement, I guess. Yeah, yeah. And have you got any final comments or anything you think really important that we that we maybe missed, or any advice you would have for for people that are worried about their immune function but also want to engage in in exercise? I really would say the best thing is to listen to your body. I've mentioned you know several times now the whole feeling tired, the fatigue, the benefits of exercise to your immune system in terms of your mental health are huge remember your immune system is not just affected by physical um, stress but also by mental stress but equally enhanced by physical well-being and enhanced by mental well-being so those are absolutely key so I wouldn't I would would really hope people don't be worried Um, I think if you can temper it they're not ramping up too much that's an absolute key thing and know your own body that you know, there are times times when you'll be more vulnerable anyway. Obviously, in the winter, there's more coughs and colds around um, anyway. So there's times to be aware of it. And the only other thing I would mention is if you are starting out and you're getting some symptoms that of coughs and colds and maybe scratchy throat, just, just make sure you can rule out allergy. Because certainly this time of year, obviously the pollen's starting, there's a lot of times when you can get symptoms which make you think you've got a cough and cold, make you feel quite rough. When actually it might just be a simple allergy 
and you would manage that very differently to how you would manage trying to avoid infections. And typically in the past, certainly in the last 10 years or so, it's only in the last 10 years or so that allergy as a risk factor has been looked at by professional teams. Um, and before it wasn't even considered, it was always, you know, anytime you had these symptoms, it was assumed it was a cold, but it might not be, it might be allergy. Great. Well, thank you so much. Um, that was really interesting and, and hopefully will be useful for everyone listening as well. Oh, I hope so. Yeah. No, anyone's ever got any questions and I can be contacted at Loughborough. And my email address is n.c.bishop at elborough.ac.uk. And that's the best way of getting in touch with me. Great. Thank you so much. No problem. Many thanks to Letty for joining me and shedding some light on a very complex and also very relevant topic. As she mentioned, if you've got any questions related to this area, then you can contact her via her Loughborough email. If the nutritional advice in particular sparked your interest, then I have a nutrition series coming up which will dive into this area even further. You can keep up to date with upcoming podcast episodes by finding me on Instagram at Marathon Medic, or you can visit marathonmedic.com for blog posts, running routes, and session ideas. Thanks so much for listening.